an ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. What's that elevator speech? You know, that 30-second elevator speech. And Lizzo, this is a challenge for these guys, but yep. start your stopwatch. Okay, who's going first? Who's taking it on? Well, um, wait, wait, wait. I have to start the watch. Go. And stars is really the basic idea is to make CMT very attractive for pharma and biotech companies to work on. That's the bottom line. Oh, that was really short. Jeez, that was like that was like five ten seconds. seconds. Yep. See, well, he's efficient, know, right? Give him thirty seconds, and he comes under. He's efficient. That's now. I, if I can expand a little bit, yes, are, you can. There are kind of five major strategies or elements that we bring to the table that we've been working on for ten years to mm-hmm. make CMT more attractive. So if you remember, Elizabeth, 10 years ago, when we started Star, nobody cared. Nobody worked on CMT on the biotech industry. They were just growing scientists, but there was no far more interest. And now we have dozens and dozens of partners working with us. Hello, everyone. This is Chris and Lizzo. We're a brother-sister team. On behalf of the Charcot-Marie Tooth Association, a.k.a. CMTA, we are coming at you. Coming at you from coast to coast. I live in California, and Chris is in Vermont, except today he's in California. That's pretty cool. It's great to be here. This is another fantastic episode of our famous podcast. Name what, Lizzo? CMT for me. That's right. CMT for me. A comprehensive podcast covering all aspects of CMT, the voice of individuals living with CMT, their challenges, and more importantly, their inspirational stories. We will also cover research updates, fundraising, interviews with the CMTA community, board members, branch leaders, CMTA leaders, and overall, an opportunity to spread awareness through the eyes of those with CMT. So, Lizzo, what's up, girl? What is up? Let me start by thanking you, Chris for coming to California and riding with Yohan in our virtual cycle for CMT ride. Oh my gosh, it meant so much to Yohan. And I just love the pictures. We're standing next to you, so proud, so happy to have been able to ride alongside you on a bike. You know, when he tried to ride a bike 20 years ago, he wasn't able to retain his balance. And I thought that was the end of bike riding. But I guess I've learned never to say never. What was your favorite part of the day? Well, I'll tell you, Lizzo, being there with Johan, seeing him smile, and to see how proud he was demonstrating his amazing cycling skills, that was cool. And not only that, but climbing a mountain and being there with others was fantastic. It's just, you know, it's just inspiring. And it was cool. We were able to also interview other people with CMT that joined the ride. And uh, what is just a fantastic group of people. Yeah, we had a lot of support. And, you know, I was thinking about the determined and persistent and caring people we've worked with over the years, from heartfelt and selfless volunteers to people with CMT who have persistence, dedication, determination for those. And, you know, all the people that love them that show up and we all work together and we're all making a difference in their lives. Every single one of us, every single day. Yeah, it's so true. And I, you know, I had similar thoughts over the last week or so, specifically about relationships with people, right? The qualities and traits, you know, of friends, work colleagues, business leaders, et cetera. Those folks who you gravitate towards and really scratching my head in terms of why, who are the people you want to be around? And what are those traits that are important to both maybe you and I, Lizzo? Let's run through those a little bit. 
Well, I think integrity is important. Definitely integrity. I think all the time about ethics, how important that is in ethics with the people you, you deal with. And motivation. How about hardworking people? Definitely. I also like those folks that challenge the norm, folks who are not comfortable with the routine. Altruistic people really mean a lot to me too. Yeah. And Elizabeth, you say altruistic and tell you your vocabulary is better than mine. I had to go to the dictionary and, and look that word up. Yeah. I don't know but, what it means either. Yeah. But it sounds good. That's it cool. does. Yeah. You know, I think of intelligent, right? Insightful in their own ways. And I think I've just said it, but committed and dedicated people, right? Totally. I'll tell you, that's quite a list. And it reminds me of the advice I once received from a well-known entrepreneur. He said to me, hey, Chris, when you hire anybody, the only thing I need to tell you is don't hire any jerks. That's the most important thing in our business. Just don't hire any jerks, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, that's true. Who'd want to be engaged with someone like that? Not me. No No. way. Talking about people with great personality traits and ethics, etc. What a great segue into our next guests who embody all of these traits and qualities we came up with. Allow me to introduce my husband, Gilles Bouchard, who's the chairman of the CMTA Board of Directors and our CEO of the CMTA, Amy Gray. Welcome, both of you. Hello, guys. So nice to have you. But first, your titles sound so formal. CEO, chairman. Oh, my goodness. Let's take this down a bit. Lizzo, do you know, is there anything unique or hidden stories or strange info we may know about these individuals, right? They're pretty private. Really private. And as much as I'm an open book, these two lead pretty private lives. So it is nearly impossible to dig up dirt, especially on Amy. And I tried. I really tried. I was calling people and everything, but... I know that Gilles still drives like a crazy French guy, but that's an easy one because I live with him. And all I hear about Amy is that she likes to play pranks on people. So be careful, Chris. Watch out after this podcast. Well, listen, you're scratching the surface, but I want to dig a little deeper, Lizzo. Can you give us fun facts or interesting stories about yourselves? Like the most people in the community. Let's start with Amy who that would like to know just a couple fun facts about yourself that no one would know. Well, one fun fact, uh, when I was working with another nonprofit organization uh, in the you know spirit of helping raise awareness and raise funds for that organization, I jumped out of an airplane and oh. parachuted with members of my team. That's um, cool. A fundraising event. And that was a pretty, uh, pretty thrilling experience on many levels. Are yes. you going to do that for the CMTA? You know, I, I've, I've checked that one off my bucket list. <laughs> I don't know that I have any interest in doing that again. In fact, I didn't tell my husband until after uh, uh, nice. we landed uh, that we did it. And, you know, we had someone film because, you know, my thought was if I'm going to jump out of an airplane, I'm going to get it on video so I can prove I actually did this. And I showed the video to my husband when I got home and he still didn't believe that I actually That's did awesome. it. He thought, he thought someone had kind of edited That's cool. Listen, you're giving me ideas because I can just picture now this big fundraising event and we have a huge parachute that says cmtausa.org and you kind of cruise right down into the middle. And uh, I don't know, we'll have to keep that in mind for next year's event, Elizabeth. That's the opening of the cycle for CMT next year. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Listen, before we go to Jill, I, I actually have a fun fact about Jill. 
he loves horses. And uh, to this day, I still laugh. Like, what's that, Jill? The bottom of a horse's feet? What are those things called? <laughs> what are they called? Like most people would say they're hooves. I've been practicing the hooves. Oh, see, when I when I brought this up before, Jill would say, oh, the horse's hoses. They're hoses. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, why are we cutting the horse's hoses? Right. Let's not cut their hoses. So, Jill, <laughs> you have any fun facts for us? Well, that's not fair. I'm sure you guys know all the fun facts about me. So, I can't think of anything Elizabeth might not know. But, well, I mean, I uh, until I met Elizabeth and moved to California, we've been here for 20 years. I moved every seven years in my life. And then we got here and she said, well, we're not going anywhere. This is good here. So we've been settled here for how many years? 25 years. 25. Moving every seven years to 25. So you're yeah, pretty yeah, well we, grounded. We grew up in a military family, so we moved all the time. So we've replaced that. We, we do a lot of travel. And as you know, I like to do a lot of adventure things. From, yeah, you know, cool. Horses and bikes and travels and climbing mountains. So That's awesome. So I think, Lizzo, you want to kick this off with some questions about these guys? Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Amy, let's start with you. Where are you from? Are you married? Obviously, we know you're married because you just mentioned your husband. Do you have children? How old are you? No, I'm just kidding. You yeah, don't have to no, I'll accept. <laughs> old as the hills. No, I'm just right. kidding. Um, so a little about me. I was born and raised in Minnesota. So I'm a, a Midwest girl at heart. And certain words I'll say, you can hear the Minnesota accent come out. Okay. Don't ask Like me what? Me. Like what? Bagel. Oh. There's certain words. Okay. Um, but I was the oldest of, of five kids. My youngest sister is actually 17 years younger than me. So I also kind of helped uh, raise her in, in some ways, which was really kind of fun then to see her helping me with, with my children and helping take care of my children. But, you know, as a kid, I was one of those kids that was involved in everything. I was super competitive in sports. I, I basically played every single sport that was available from basketball to volleyball to softball, track and field, gymnastics. Like if they offered it, my parents put me in it. And I don't know, maybe I was just like such a handful that they were trying to yeah. keep me busy. <laughs> but, you know, I also enjoyed more musical things. I, I took guitar lessons. I played the piano. I did clarinet and was just really involved in school. I graduated from high school and, and went to college in Minnesota at St. Cloud State University and got a, a marketing degree with a Spanish minor. Another fun fact is I spent six months studying abroad in Costa Rica, where oh, I lived nice. with a Costa Rican family and I attended classes at the university and traveled all over the country. Just an amazing country, amazing people. And then graduated from college and you know started my first job with the MDA in the early 2000s. And it was then that my husband and I were like, what are we doing? Minnesota is so cold in the winter. And we we're just so sick of the cold winters and scraping our windshields, you know, in the morning before going to work that about 20 years ago, we decided to move to South Florida. And we've been here ever since uh, we've really settled into this amazing community in, in Palm Beach County in South Florida. Actually, Elizabeth, it's an equestrian community. And in the winter, there's a lot of horses and horse jumping and stuff here, something I know you're uh, very passionate about. We have two kids, two boys. Our oldest is in seventh grade and in middle school, and our youngest is in fifth grade. And so when, when I'm not at the CMTA, my life really revolves around, you know, my family and our kids' activities. They're both very involved in sports as well. And so I guess you could say I'm like a CEO during the week and a, a soccer mom on the weekends. Right. 
That is cool. Now I can see you bring all that energy to the CMTA. Pretty uh, impressive background there. I didn't know about the competitiveness and the, you know, all the sports. That's good information. Yeah. And I I think being competitive is a good trait, as we talked about in terms of leadership, et cetera. Yeah. So, Jill, just transferring over to you, very similar question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've been in California for a period of time, but give us a little about your history there. Well, I was born in France, as you can hear. My French accent is definitely more noticeable than Amy's Minnesota accent. <laughs> but my dad was in the military, so we moved all over. I lived in Germany. I lived in Africa. I lived in France. My parents were pretty adventurous and outdoorsy, so we did a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, by the time I finished uh, engineering school in France, I finished very early, so I wanted to come to the U.S. to grad school. So I did a summer internship in a um, engine company in Dallas, Texas. And I love the country. The people were wonderful. They called me Gillis in Texas. So except for that, it was great. And I traveled around the country and I applied to a bunch of universities and I, I got into Berkeley with some scholarships. So that's when I came to the U.S. I think I was 22 at the time. And I ended up staying there for a few years. I worked, worked at IBM Research. Then I went back to France and actually met Elizabeth in France. She was actually, as a French major, she was working in France, so we met in France, got married in France. Jan was born in France, in Grenoble, France, which is a wonderful city in the middle of the Alps. And uh, there, I think we were doing a lot of outdoor things. I was doing a lot of uh, ski mountaineering and things like this. Uh, but then after six years, we came back to California. And that's when I was working for HP. And basically, we've been here ever since. I uh, spent most of my career at HP. But then I left and uh, ran a couple of smaller companies, a small public company, a small private VC-based company. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, when we sold the last company, well, uh, I decided to spend most of my time on CMT. Boy, a lot of travel. I can see why being in one spot for 25 years, it's pretty unusual for you guys. But that's, that's great. So I'm thinking we, this was just basic information. And for our listeners, I want you to know this is going to be exceptional, right? That if you're an individual with CMT or you know someone with CMT, you're going to learn everything about the Charcot Marie Tooth Association and kind of how it's run and the important role that the CMTA plays as being directed by our two leaders on this podcast today. So just to get things going, let's start with a few easy questions. Keeping in mind, our listeners want to know exactly what the CMTA does. Amy, how did you first get engaged or exposed to the CMTA? Right. And then Jill will ask you the same question. I started my career working with the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and this was over 20 years ago. And at that time, I was working with a lot of families, many families living with CMT. So that was really my first exposure to the CMT community and members of the CMT community. And uh, a little over four and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to step into the role of CEO at the CMTA and have been entrenched in the organization ever since. And Jill, what about yourself? How did you first get engaged with the CMTA? Well, for us, it was more brutal. Is uh, when anyone was little, we started noticing that you know there was something that it was more difficult for him, and he was struggling. And finally, at age seven, he was diagnosed with CMT. He was actually tested, and the genetic test for CMT1A came back positive. And for us, you know, it, it's a it's a natural mutation, so he's the first in the family. So really, it was like being hit by a truck. We had no idea what this disease was. 
And, you know, we got really lucky to find this MTA and, and uh, find a lot of information. Elizabeth got involved very quickly, started writing articles. She was doing a lot of work in school with Johan. Uh, and one thing to led to another, and we'll talk a bit later, but when, when I left HP, I had a couple of months off. We kind of launched a whole star program at the time with the board. It was a very exciting time. And we've kind of been living through the outcome of, of those days ever since kind of developing the strategy and, uh, that we uh, put together at the time. So that's how it got started. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to mention something, Gilles. Uh, you know, both you and I were very, very athletic, and you still are. And when Yohan was young, you used to bring him on the ski slopes and snowboarding and doing a lot of fun things. And then as the CMT progressed, there were fewer, fewer activities that you loved and you kind of had to transition over to camping and other activities that Yoan can do. And I can see a lot of times we look back and feel kind of sad that Yoan's not able to do these things and you weren't able to do the, the things that you love the most in, in life. And how does that drive you forward? And how do you feel about that, first of all, when you think about it? And isn't it frustrating that we can't find something for CMT1A and other types of CMTs so his progression will stop? Yeah, it's very frustrating. Obviously, you know, I had all of those dreams of all the things I could do with my son. And, and, and seriously, John was very athletic. I mean, he walked by, you know, he was like 10 months in one day. And he was on skis when he was three. And But then, you know, very quickly, it became more difficult for him to do the kind of outdoor things I love to do. But I'd say I, we did two things, but we got involved. I mean, I think uh, that's why we've been so involved. I mean, I think, frankly, you were more involved than me growing up Elizabeth, and I got really involved four years ago. You know, we did this whole star launch, but then afterwards, I went back to work, right? Uh, but then the last four years, I think, uh, and it was perfect timing because there's so much going on. Uh, I think we'll get into that later. I mean, uh, there's so much contribution we can make. But also, I think we played the hand we all dealt with, right? I mean, we, we found... Uh, Kids in France to go camping with. We had a great time. Uh, you know, I found this little bike contraption that Johan could attach uh, behind me. And we, we, we went on those 20 mile bike ride together when we were seven and eight. Recently, we found the e bike, which has been a life changer because, you know, he can go and bike with me to all those remote places I love to. In fact, he, you know, <laughs> he kicks my butt because of his e bike. I have a hard time. So it's great training for me. So, you know, we, we made the most of it. So I think. You have to turn kind of frustration into action. I think we're doing on both both sides. I mean, I think the CMTA and the STAR programs, I mean, are, are what's going to make a difference for you on over time. And then we live with the presence and we find a way to find to, to do things like like the ride with it Saturday. It was fantastic. Yeah. Right? yeah. You learn how to navigate through those challenges. And that's one thing I hear from our listeners all the time is staying positive and you do get defeated, but I think it's a great community, right? Where folks can reach out and that just kind of leads to, if one of you guys could just give us a kind of a short history tour of the CMTA, like how it did it get started? And I just want our listeners to understand the association. Who wants to jump forward there and just let us know how the CMTA gets started? And then we can kind of talk about what does the CMTA do? I can jump in and Jill will let me know if I forget anything. Well, uh, well of course you will, Amy, right? He <laughs> just jumps right in at any time. So be prepared. So so the CMTA wasn't always known as the CMTA. So another fun fact. Originally, oh, um, 
we were named the National Foundation for Perineal Muscular Atrophy or the NFPMA. So try to say that five times really fast. It's a, it's a bit of a mouthful, but in all seriousness, we were founded by a patient, Dr. Howard Shapiro in 1983 in Pennsylvania. And to this day, patients remain extremely involved in everything we do and in, in really helping us drive everything we do. Dr. Shapiro was both a medical doctor, but also someone living with CMT. And it was really his hope that we could create more interest in the disease and the medical community, um, both researching the causes of the disease, but then also caring for patients. And he, he also wanted to ensure that patients and their families had the support that they needed to manage the disease. Um, so that's you know how we were founded by a patient. And, and as you'll hear throughout the, the session today, uh, patients rem remain very involved in, in every aspect of how we deliver our mission. The organization has a really rich and robust history and some fun milestones in the, in the early 80s. We created the first patient database and sent out our first newsletter to the community uh, with articles about managing CMT and, and providing kind of support uh, information and resources to the community. In the early 90s, our organization was a part of helping with some of the first genes that were discovered that caused CMT. And then by the early 2000s, we were funding work on the first patient registry and some of the first trials uh, in CMT were clinical trials in CMT were taking place. It was really in 2008, and, and Jill will speak to this a little bit later, when we were able to accelerate the pace of research through launching STAR, our strategy to accelerate research. And since then, we've built up really robust programming for the community through our branches, through our centers of excellence. Uh, we hold conferences. We have an amazing program called Camp Footprint, which is the only That's camp right. just for kids living with CMT and so much more. So this association really, really started, and I didn't know, that is a fun fact. I didn't realize. What was it? The NFPMA? NFPMA, yes. Okay. Wow, I got it right. Elizabeth, five times, NFPMA. What does that mean, Chris? Um, uh, that's not the point. Let me move on. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, again, so it's very, very impressive. I think this association is extremely impressive in terms of how it evolved over time. You know, it's really developed again into the leading association, you know, really in the world as an advocate for those folks with CMT. As you referenced, we will talk a little bit about the research, which again is one of the most important items is finding a cure for CMT and or having an opportunity where people can interact with one another and find therapies and share their stories and, you know, learn how to manage through CMT. So Chili Dog, which I call Jill Chili Dog on occasion, that's a, a new nickname for him. Uh, but, you know, I'm thinking you just referenced, you grew up in the tech industry, right? You grew up in the tech industry. That's where you spent most of your time. And I just think about, well, now you're engaged with the CMTA and, and really all of your time is, is voluntary, right? Which is pretty impressive. So maybe this ties into your earlier story with Yohan, but I think about why do you volunteer all your time to the CMTA? And we're talking folks, this isn't an hour a day. I mean, this is, this is very extensive. And even with Amy, you know, a CEO in this position is not a full time position. It involves seven days a week, nights, you name it, right? It's ongoing. These two folks here live and breathe working for those individuals with CMT. So Joe, why do you volunteer your time? I think there's an, first of all, is an emotional component, right? I mean, uh, seeing you on everyday struggle and knowing that it, it progresses, it gets worse over time. So it's really a race against time. 
Mm. So why stay on the sideline where you can make a difference by getting involved and maybe help shrink time because it's all about time for the kids, right? Yeah. And it's not just yawn. I mean, I think I mean, one of the most I mean, fantastic things about this organization is the people you meet, you know, the, the kids, the adults, the, you know, I mean, it's just a great community. And it, to me, I mean, you know, we were all in Vermont a few weeks ago at the event, and it was one of our first in-person events in a long time. And I get so much energy just meeting the folks here. I mean, there's, you have this incredibly brave and uh, people who you know, always smile, I mean, and brave adversity in a way that you can't even describe. It just brings me tears, you know, just to think about it. And we, you meet, you know, those are the people that we work with. And they're also very talented. Like, you know, the kids we have on, on the youth council, I, they, they blow my mind every time about their courage and the, the way they're role model and how smart they are. I mean, so I think there's a very strong, strong emotional uh, component, obviously. Um, but there's also a, an interesting intellectual component because uh, this is like solving one of the most complex business problems and scientific problems. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I, I used to work in advanced science and engineering and physics, and the science of the human body, it's millions of times more complicated. We don't really understand how it works. You can't model it. So this is kind of being in the computers for 30 years ago where everything is really starting to, to re- kind of revolutionize the world. You know, we were talking about mm-hmm. gene therapy and you know, genes. It's just changing the world as we speak, and we are right in the middle of it. working with those people. We have projects with people who, who, who win, winning Nobel Prizes and you know, so smart. So intellectually, and on the business side, it's like running a you know, mid-sized company. It's just extremely exciting. And, and so both sides they play well to each other, I think, for all of us. That's a great, great answer. Thank you, Gilles. Amy, we did look you up, and you have worked with other nonprofits. So you're focus has been on nonprofits most of your career life. Is that correct? It is. Yes. I've had the opportunity to work for a couple other national health organizations. I started my career with a muscular dystrophy association, and and that's really where I found my passion for philanthropy and, and healthcare and saw the power of what a patient organization can do to, you know, accelerate research and provide really meaningful services to a patient community. I then had the opportunity to go on and work for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and then more recently was with the Parkinson Foundation before coming to the CMTA. So you know all about neuromuscular diseases then coming into the CMTA. You have some, a lot of personal background, right? I did did have a good professional background and and background working with families living with neuromuscular diseases. And of course, being surrounded by, you know, such incredible clinicians and researchers and scientists, I've learned a lot over Mm -hmm. the last four and a half years. Yeah, I bet. And Amy, just curious, is there anyone in your family that either had or has MS or you were exposed to someone that had Parkinson's or any close relationships that you've had over the years? You know, I've developed uh, very close friendships within each organization I work for. And, you know, I think that's been one of the hardest parts of leaving some of those organizations behind as a professional. I still yeah. support them personally was because of those, you know, close friendships that you form. I mean, as you said, this is not a nine to five job. This is something right. the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is the CMTA. And the, the last thing I think about before I go to bed, I would never tell my husband this, <laughs> is the CMTA. And, you know, it's constant 
constantly on your mind and you're constantly focused on the work that we're trying to achieve here together. Um, And you really form close family-like relationships with the individuals you're working with. When you do that, as you know, Jill commented, right, it, it is very emotional. And I can imagine, Amy, coming to the CMTA, like you said, you've developed these relationships. You probably feel when you're leaving, you don't want to let those folks down for everything that you started. And you're probably striving to ensure that when you leave, the association continues to progress forward. But that's got to be hard. And that's what I find even in terms of our involvement with those with CMT. It's, it's an emotional attachment that really triggers a lot of energy and motivation to move forward. And it kind of leads to my question, which I think you, you answered. But when you wake up each morning, right, what motivates you to come into the CMTA, both Jill and Amy? And Jill, what motivates you to get online in the morning or to go to a conference? But every day when you wake up, right, what's the motivation there? Well, I think we touched upon it, right? It's, there's an emotional component uh, because we live and breathe and talk with people with CMT all the time. And there's, you know, we, we're so close to this fantastic community. And it's frustrating to see whether there's struggles. Uh, and it, it's more than frustrating. It's unbearable, sometimes, right? Uh, and I think we want to turn this energy into action. And that's what I do. You know, that's what I've done my whole life. You know, I mean, yeah. when you're doing business, you turn whatever energy you have into action. How do you get it done? How do you solve the problem? And so both sides are interesting because you give that energy and then you have to think about how you make it work. Okay. Luzo, I love that. Turn energy into action. Well, I think that was sort of our tagline. And I think this happens quite often is I come up with something, then Jill takes it and then he presents it oh. as his own. Oh, so you, you know, came up with that. Elizabeth. Well, it's like love into action, okay. compassion into action. He just inserted energy into that. That has been the theme of the cycle for CMT. So right. I'd like excellent. to point out that I am really, you know, part of his, the big ideas he comes up with, they're mine. <laughs> It's so very true. That's so, so he's just the voice to carry those forward. That's right. And he thinks it's his own, you know, right. his own stuff, but exactly. that's okay. I'll just take second second. Hey, I always say and I'm like I'm like Kenny, right? I'm the guy with the woman here. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think that's Perfect. the way yeah, to say it. I'm the guy who's with the most of You know, whatever yeah. you are, <laughs> thing That's all I do. So what do each of you do as it pertains to your roles of chairman and CEO? Like take us down the path of a typical day in the life of chairman and CEO. And, and it's a great question, you know, back to the CMTA, kind of the organization, the structure, but what's a CEO do for the CMTA? Well, you know, my job basically is to ensure that I'm giving leadership to the organization that, and ensure that we're carrying out our mission and that we're focused on it day in and, and day out. I work with the team to ensure that we're delivering on our strategic priorities. I work with the board to partner with them to carry out those strategic priorities and work really closely with the community to ensure that we have the funding that we need to continue to to move our mission forward. I would say that there is no typical day. Um, Every day is is a little different. Uh, There's no, no you know, typical routine by any means, but every day is is very meaningful and and very focused, hyper focused, laser focused on our mission. It could be one day meeting with a pharmaceutical partner, learning about their interest in developing a treatment for CMT and having conversations with them about what role we can play to help them in that effort, to working with groups of patients 
bringing the patient's voice forward into some of the drug development process, holding focus groups with patients, uh, learning more about the burden of disease and sharing that with our pharmaceutical partners. Some days involve meeting with and speaking with the researchers that we're funding and the researchers that we are looking to fund to learn more about the progress they're making and uh, what they think they can accomplish with these research projects. And then, of course, you know, working with donors in the community to help fund all of this work and, and working really closely with the team to ensure that they have the support they need to, to carry out their really critical roles in all of this as well. Well, Lizzo, I'm just thinking of that, right? It doesn't sound like Amy has much going on. So, you know, hopefully she'll can, we'll probably delegate more items to her, right? Talking about delegating, I was going and to Amy, ask. And Amy, that's a joke. I mean, that is a massive laundry list that I'm sure is not all encompassing either. So I was going to say something about like explain the relationship of how you work together. And then I was going to say, Amy, I really feel for you because <laughs> Gilles is a delegator. And at home, that's extremely challenging. And I know it isn't only in his home environment he does this. I know that at the CMTA, he delegates. And since you're the one that is CEO, I'm sure you get a lot of that work. How do you feel about that? <laughs> she's smiling. Wow. Yeah, she's not sure how to answer the question. She's like, oh, boy. Oh, I will boy. say we have a, a very good working relationship. And I think you touched on this at the beginning. We share a lot of the same values and have the, the same kind of philosophy on teamwork and collaboration. And I feel very fortunate to have such a great partner, you know, in Jill and, and the ability to work with someone with his business background and his passion to, to carry out our mission. And, and that's how I'm going to answer that question. That's good. <laughs> By avoiding it. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, skirting right around it, but that's okay. I wouldn't answer it either. And she's still smiling. Okay, so she is exactly. Our listeners can see it, but no, she is still smiling. Fun. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but I, I can see between the two of you, right? When I say healthy relationship, you work well together. You know when to stand your ground. Like it's okay to have a disagreement. It's okay to really voice how you feel, and you need to have that open relationship for this type of thing to work. And I think it's very collaborative from my perspective, what I can see. And it is. It can be challenging, I'm sure, at times, but it, it works. It works. You don't want the same people with the same qualities and traits and strategy, right? You bounce ideas off of each other, and that's cool. You know, so Amy, I was thinking you've worked in really pretty large nonprofits, right? The ones that, I mean, compared to the CMTA, larger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what was it like for you to come to the CMTA? We do a lot with the bare bones staff we have. We have very few people working, but what we do is ginormous. You know, we don't stop and we have a lot of initiatives. Was that a big difference for you? Did you have to adapt how you work with people or how you work for the staff? Because there aren't as many people to carry out all the things that we need to do. And we, boy, are we do a lot. You know, I, there definitely was some adapting for me. I mean, I started my career with a, an organization that was had an operating budget of $150 million. And kind of over my career, I, I kind of went and worked for smaller organizations. And, you know, to be working with the CMTA now, I've, I've learned a lot about the rare disease community and how 
incredibly amazing the rare disease community is and the, the members of the rare disease community really stepping up to play an active role in carrying out the mission. And I think that's the biggest difference I've seen is just the level of involvement, of ownership, of engagement. And the thing that just to this day continues to amaze me. I mean, the CMTA, we have an operating budget of, you know, roughly somewhere between five and six million dollars a year, but we really do the work of a 15 to 20 million dollar organization. And we've got a small staff team, seven full-time staff, and we're adding an eighth person soon, but it's it's because of the incredible leadership at the board level and the hundreds and, and somewhat thousands of volunteers around the country that are helping manage our branches and playing just many different roles in helping support the organization. And it's it's really the community that makes this organization such an incredible organization. And CMT is a rare disease, right? It is. Yes, it is a rare disease. It's more common than some of the other rare diseases, but it is a, a rare disease. One thing you said, there's how many employees at the CMTA now? Seven full-time staff, and we're, we're adding an eighth staff member soon. Right. And you take, for example, I was looking over the weekend, just kind of Parkinson's and their annual revenue, right, from fundraising, which is significantly larger than the CMTA. But it really made me think the CMTA, just on paper, when you look at structure, number of employees is relatively small, but it has such a major impact in terms of the research that the CMTA is engaged in and what you guys do from a leadership perspective to fund research and things of that nature. And that gets to my next question, which our listeners, we tend to find, always want to know more and more about, but is the CMTA STAR program. So I'd love an opportunity for you guys to explain STAR to those with CMT and, and kind of what's, we always talk, what's that elevator speech, you know, that 30-second elevator speech. And Lizzo, this is a challenge for these guys, but yep. start your stopwatch. Okay, who's going first? Who's taking it on? Well, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I had to start the watch. Go. Stars is really the basic idea is to make CMT very attractive for pharma and biotech companies to work on. That's the bottom line. Oh, that was really short. Jeez, that was like that was like five ten seconds. seconds. Yep. See, well, he's efficient, know, right? Him thirty seconds, and he comes under. He's efficient. That's now. I, if I can expand a little bit, yes, you are, can. There are kind of five major strategies or elements that we bring to the table that we've been working on for 10 years to mm-hmm. make CMT more attractive. Because if you remember, Elizabeth, 10 years ago when we started Star, nobody cared. Nobody worked on CMT on the biotech industry. They were just growing scientists, but there was no far more interest. And now we have dozens and dozens of partners working with us. There's five things that we've designed and built and to attract companies that they don't all need all five. They all need usually a combination. The first one, is really access to CMT experts, what they call KOLs, key opinion leaders, because they know a lot about the drugs, but they don't know about CMT. So that's why we have, you know, all the great uh, scientists in our advisory board, and they're very engaged, and they work with the companies to really explain to them how CMT works and how their particular solution could work. So that was number one. The number two, which we spent a lot of the early uh, years of STAR, is they won't be able to test so we develop this whole testing infrastructure. We develop assays, which are basically test tubes, uh, elements that people can test drugs. We develop animal models. We develop actually expertise through a set of uh, partners that can uh, do all those tests. It's, it's like a, a testing machine, which is very unique. It's, it's a huge asset. If any company that can come 
and test their drugs uh, on many types of, of CMTs very quickly, very inexpensively, and with great expertise. It is where the, we call it the, uh, the, the consortium, uh, the star consortium. And it's a great asset we built, and that's what brought a lot of companies in what we call the preclinical uh, stage of the research where we test drugs. Okay. Now, more and more, also companies come to us and say, is there any technology I can buy or license? So that's why we've been funding great projects. So remember, a few years ago, we realized gene therapy was important. We had this whole summit on gene therapy, and we started funding a bunch of gene therapy projects. And that companies are knocking on our door and say, well, I want to work with you guys to bring this to market. So we are kind of the early funder, what in, in VC term we call seed money, where we, we fund a lot of kind of high-risk novel technologies, and when they get proven to be promising, then the company's coming and bring the big money to take this to market. So that's number three. Number four, which is becoming for the most important, is the clinical aspect. Because think about it, we have all those companies now testing drugs, and some of them come out to be promising. Now they want testing on humans to do to go through clinical trials. And with uh, Mike Chai and his team in the INC, we've been sponsoring them from day one. They've established a fantastic technical network. We've spent a lot of, of research money on biomarkers, which are ways to measure progress of the disease, and really kind of fill those gaps that we're missing for companies to run clinical trials. So now we have this infrastructure, and we continue to work on it, and all the technologies that will make it very easy for companies to run clinical trials. And the last thing we want, and they want, and they all want this, they want access to the community. They really want to understand how the disease affects the CMT community, CMT patients. Because at the end, you know, it's not just at the goodness of their heart, but it's how they're going to get the insurance companies to fund their drug or the FDA to approve that drug. So the fact that we are, you know, we have the biggest reach of any organization into the CMT where we can bring all kinds of CMT patients to the table, we can, we, Amy can talk a lot about this, which she's been doing a lot of great work bringing companies to patients. It's a huge asset that we use more and more right now. So those are the five things that we bring to the table and continue to really invest in, okay? That is very impressive. And it, it sounds like, to me, putting that structure with regards to research and engaging companies is extremely important because I could imagine if you don't have the structure you could be going down 300 different paths with really no success. And it's a, it's a pretty yeah. tangled, complex web, right? To and pull this all together and keep people on that. I mean, that is very different than the tech businesses. I mean, it takes 10 to 20 years to develop a drug. It costs a billion dollars and 90% of the drugs that go to clinical trials fail. So it's, a, it's right. a really crazy business. The odds are not in your favor. So you need to have a portfolio. That's why we have dozens of partners and dozens of technologies and dozens of labs. You just, you know, to cross a desert, they often call it the uh, you know, the valley of death. You don't yeah. need one wagon. You need 20 of them to have a chance to make it across. Thank you, Sheil. And Amy, how do you talk about Star and your elevator speech? It's so hard to talk about. CMT is one thing, difficult to explain in a short 30-second kind of way. How do you describe Star? There's been so much progress that we've made in the last five years that it becomes more and more complex. And there's more and more to share with donors about the work that we're doing through STAR. So that, that's a good problem to have. Mm. But you know, the way the way I look at STAR uh, and the way I talk about STAR is STAR is really the driving force behind CMT research. 
as Jill said, we're bringing best-in-class researchers together with biotech companies and patients to find treatments for the disease. And so we're very focused, one goal in mind, develop treatments and a cure for CMT. Yeah. And we are super fortunate to have just amazing donors and community members that are helping us support this effort. And it's it's really because of that level of support, we've been able to make so much progress. You know, in the last five years alone, We've gone from working with less than a handful of biotech companies, pharmaceutical companies and and research labs to now almost 40 in five short years. Um, But as Jill said, we need to recruit more and we're actively out there every week speaking with more and more more companies. There's over 100 types of CMT and we've got a lot of work to do. There's just so much momentum and and so much progress and and so much for us to share with the community as it relates to STAR. But, you know, we're, we're focused on that which is develop treatments for for CMT. Yeah. And I think going from five or so partners to 40, and what goes through my mind is why would a company want to partner with the CMTA on research? Like other than probably you guys are just doing a fantastic job engaging these companies, but why all of a sudden do we have many more companies interested in working with the CMTA on the things you talked about in support of finding a cure for CMT? I'll give you two reasons, Chris. One is the fact that the genetics of CMT are really well known. You know, the okay. genes that cause CMT and the process by which they create CMT is very unusual, especially for nervous system diseases that tend to be very complex. And that's why it's been so hard to find truth for Parkinson and MS and all this. But in CMT, there's a very clear relationship. And the target, often saying it's like when your car uh, is broken if you know which part is wrong you know you still have the problem that's what happened with CMT which is very unusual uh, in the field we're in and I would like just start this CRISPR project with you know the world class researchers people affiliated with a Nobel Prize and that's what they told us they said we would love to work on CMT with you because number one genetics are very clean and number two you've developed all those great testing tools so it's very easy for us to see if our stuff is going to work because you develop these great testing tools and then often companies come and say, then now you've kind of lowered the barriers to entry from a clinical trial point of view, it gives access to the community. So there are different uh, views on those five points, but the fact that they all there makes a big difference. But the main thing is we're in the, the heart of this genetic revolution, if you want, and we it plays yeah. well into our hand. There's a lot of investment going to it. And CMT is an attractive market. I mean, that, we got to rest. We got to look at this in business terms. You know, it's a rare disease, but it's fairly common. And uh, it's an attractive market with a broad population that's motivated. There's no existing cures. So those, those things really attract more and more people. That's great. Significant progress. I mean, significant progress. You know, Chris. More partners in the future. They're talking about raising $1 billion. Only, what, what was the statistic? 90% fail in clinical trials. So that means for 99% fail before clinical trials. Okay. So, you know, somebody that's really motivated, you just hear those numbers and hear those stats, you go, uh. So how do you stay positive and how do you explain that to the community that they have to hang in there because we're doing everything we can? And how do you keep going, the momentum going without getting too frustrated? Uh, I'll give you maybe two things that I'll turn to me. The two things for me is 10% chance to, to succeed and you have 20 partners, then the odds are in your favor. Right? So that's why we do this portfolio. And number two, the fact that the genetics are well known I think it's actually been, I mean, studies prove that the 90% actually is lower than that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a bit of a numbers game, which is why we're constantly out there 
the pavement, uh, trying to identify more companies, uh, more researchers to partner with and to fund. I stay motivated. I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have a picture of the youth council on my office wall. And it's the first picture I see in the morning when I walk into the office. And it's just the, the perfect reminder of why we're pushing so hard day in and day out to with more companies, fund more more research, and that's what keeps me motivated. Our individuals, mm-hmm. like our youth council members and members in the community, that need us, and uh, that that's what keeps me motivated every day. Yeah. I don't envy both of you guys, and I'm saying that in a positive way for our listeners. Right, these guys, to our listeners, these guys play a significant, significant role, and as you can tell, they are completely dedicated in terms of running the association, partnering with the right partners, moving research forward. That's their focus every single day. And it makes me think, guys, right? No pressure, right? I just think, you know, the whole community of those folks with CMT are in your hands. And that's a big position. I'm sure you feel pressure at times. And uh, I can't think of anyone else that we'd want in those positions, such as the CEO and the chairman. But when you think of the CMTA in the future, and I even think that in terms of businesses I'm engaged in, it's just kind of like, what does it look like from your perspective five to 10 years down the road? What's your vision of the association? Amy, you want to do that? Jill or Amy? Actually, let's go to Amy first, but really thinking, right? You know, I'm sure you've been engaged in a lot of business discussions is, you know, what's your vision for the future, right? If you, you look forward and you pull your crystal ball out, what's this association look like in five or 10 years? Well, if you think about the history of CMT and the CMTA, we were very focused for many years on understanding the causes of the disease and then helping people, you know, supporting community members. And, and now we're at that phase where we're actively working with pharma and biotech companies to develop therapies through preclinical testing. And we're just starting to enter that phase of more clinical trials, you know, for humans. And so what I see in the next five to 10 years are, you know, more trials coming. We're actively working with a half dozen partners right now to prepare for clinical trials in the coming years. In the next five to 10 years, there'll be more and more trials coming and, and hopefully a treatment for the community. I look at from you know my professional background and understanding the neuromuscular disease space and really looking at the spinal muscular atrophy community, the Duchenne muscular dystrophy community. Where they were 10 years ago is where we are today. And now 10 years later, they have treatments that are available to patients. They have more trials taking place for additional combination therapy treatments that will be available to the community in the coming years. And that's the future that we're looking for in CMT and and working toward in in CMT. Jill, can you get that crystal ball out you have in back of you? (laughs) And just look into it. What is what is the future of the CMTA the next five to 10 years? And I do want you to say treatments will be available. Yeah. Well, I tell a product, and Amy, I think, would agree with me on this, that the hardest part of our job is we have to walk a fine line because we're very excited about what's going on. I mean, it's nothing they ever, everything we've seen before, the, the number of projects, the quality of the projects, the number of companies. But we're not going to promise something we don't know for sure will happen. It's a very high-risk business. So even though we have dozens and dozens of companies working with us on preclinical tests, we have probably you know, double-digit in our clinical trials being planned. I cannot sit here and tell you, well, we're going to have a cure in five or 10 years. We just don't know that. It's just the way it works. We just have to play the numbers. It's very hard, and it's very tempting. And a lot of organizations do that. Now they get one or two good re- uh, results, and they start the promising the winner. We, 
one of our values is high integrity. We just cannot do that. So we have to walk this fine line because we're excited, but we also have to be cautious because it, you know we're still in the early stages of drug development for CMT. But that's that's also again you can sense our excitement because when we started start, I mean basically nobody showed up, right? And now I mean it's like every every month, every week we get phone calls and we say we almost have to prioritize how the partners we work with. So we know the numbers are on our side. I mean it's gonna take some time and there's some disappointments, but we know it's gonna work. But I can't promise you how much time, but it will happen. Uh, because we know what we have to fix, okay? And it's an attractive market and a lot of investment goes into it. And in a broader picture, I think, you know, we might not realize this as human beings, but I think we're living historic times where all this knowledge about genetics is changing the world. And, you know, luckily, it's playing into our hands. I mean, you know, for, for you know, centuries, we knew about CNT, but all we could do was help people deal with it. Within 15 years, we figure out what the problem was, and now this Again, massive progress into figuring out how to fix it. So we have to ride this wave, and we're riding and riding the best way we can. And that's why this strategy of making CMT attractive is so important, because then we basically ride the wave of, of those genetic transformation that's really changing the world right now. And that's what's so exciting. And again, I can't promise we have treatments and for which type of CMT when, but there's just such a, a tidal wave of effort of interest and. We know there'll be lots of clinical trials. There'll be some successful one, successful one, and things will continue because we'll have treatments that fix the genetics and we have treatments maybe that help your nerves regenerate and maybe help your muscles and all things will start playing out each other over time. What we have to know is accelerate, start. We have to make this happen faster. Yeah, that's a good point. And thank you for laying it out there because there are no promises, but we're trying and we hope for a breakthrough that could happen at any time. Chris, I think we need to wrap things up now. I and do I was, too, Lizzo. I'm looking at my watch. So, Chris, I was wondering if Amy and Gilles had any last words to say for our podcast, like anything else they haven't mentioned yet. You've got the CMTA community staring at you right now. What are your words of wisdom? What do you want to leave with? What do you say to the CMT community? Starting well, with Amy. Sure. Go ahead. Thank you. So I, I want to make sure we haven't touched on this today, but we have a tremendous amount of resources available. Go to our website, cmtausa.org. Follow us on Facebook. It's an incredible way to connect with other community members online. And we're here for you. And we're here for you in many different ways. So reach out and uh, we're here to support you. Excellent. Chili Dog? To me, it boils down to two key things, and I think hopefully it came across about this organization is, first, it's about trust. I think you know, a lot of people talk about integrity and transparency, and we walk the talk. All the things we talked about, and the quality of the team, and the quality of, you know, and standards of excellence uh, in that area are important. And the second thing is, is excellence in itself. I mean, we've worked very hard to build an organization that is small, but is extremely productive. And I think nothing shows us better than our chariot navigator rating, you know, almost a perfect 99.5%. I tell you, there's only a handful of organizations around the country that got that. And, and I also can tell you, it's been a lot of work, and you can testify, and it's going to be a lot of work to stay there. But it shows that we've built an organization over you know, the board, the employees, the volunteer that just works extremely well, that says it's standards of excellence. And that's how we serve the community, because basically, uh, when people trust us with their money, we made absolutely excellent use of it, and it's proven by the numbers. It's not that like people proud of. Excellent, Jill and Amy. And there you have it, listeners. 
listen, you've experienced the best of the best. You've got tireless leadership here, major advocates. What I think about for the CMT community, you're in good hands with these two folks, you know, leading the charge. So as they reference, you hang in there and there is progress being made every single day. That's right. So I want to thank you so much. I guess we call you Chili Dog now. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Chili Dog. And you know what, Chris? We don't have a nickname for Amy. Lizzo, really good point. Any ideas or suggestions on how we kind of come up with something? Yes. Oh, yes. I have an idea. What's so that? if you have any suggestions out there, the listeners who are listening right now, if you have any suggestions regarding a nickname for Amy, please email us at info at cmtausa.org. Right on. That's great. We'll review that list, Lizzo. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of responses. Amy and Jill, thanks again. Thanks so, so much for your time. Yeah, thanks. Who are we interviewing next? Uh, Yeah, who? I don't know. Do you? Well, I don't know. We just talked to somebody that's an artist in the UK. He sounded pretty interesting. And there are many people writing in with their stories. So all over the world, people are writing in with their amazing CMT stories. So I don't know. We're going to have a hard time choosing. But whoever we interview, we know it's going to be fun, entertaining, and original. If you do have a good story and you'd like to tell your story on our CMT for Me podcast, write to us, info at cmtausa.org, and pitch your idea. We want to hear from you. And Lizzo, you know what was pretty cool since we launched the podcast? Oh, what? I got this email from a mother of a child with CMT who was in denial regarding his CMT. And now, after listening to the podcast, she shared it with him, and he is ready to tell his journey and open up. And that's that great. is pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's really cool. And that's exactly one of the reasons why we launched this podcast. You got it, right? Again, CMT for me. This is for you. If someone wants to learn more about CMT, where should they go? CMTAUSA.org. You got it. And you know what, folks? As you heard from both the CEO and the chairman, it does take a lot of money to fund research in order to find a cure. And if someone listening to our podcast is so inclined to generously donate to our cause, how would they go about doing that, Lizzo? Well, I'm going to give you the same answer. Go to CMTAUSA.org. Right on. Awesome, Lizzo. So until next time, folks, Aviento. Aviento.